fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Alrighty, this is The Wolf, and I am thrilled to debut our On the Fantasy Beat series tonight, where we go straight to the source for all your most pressing fantasy questions. This year, we'll be pairing our guest beat writers by division to get different perspectives on their biggest rivals as well, and we are thrilled to open with an RSJ favorite, RJ Ochoa. He covers all things Dallas Cowboys for Blogging the Boys. He's the host of Ocho Live and the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover on ESPN SA and a Cowboys diehard. We're going to tackle how the massively opened up target share could be passed and divided up here. If Zeke Elliott could become a bigger part of the offense now with so many vacant looks. And is there any hope for Dak Prescott in this barren weapons cabinet type of situation? So make sure to tune in now for some crucial fantasy information on your Dallas Cowboys. All right, as advertised, we're welcoming back to the podcast. Love that we have this like awesome carousel of recurring guests from all over the country. RJ Ochoa. Let me try to get this resume right, even though we've had him on before. He covers all things Dallas Cowboys for blogging the boys. He's also the host of the Ocho Live podcast. Uh, I've actually listened to it, believe it or not, even though it it is dealing with the Cowboys, which is not my forte. Uh, He's the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover on ESPN San Antonio. RJ, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for taking the time. It's great to be back, guys. I'm I'm enjoying it. You guys moved the furniture around, so it feels good. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. yeah, the furniture has been moved around in that dimly lit basement. That's true. Like, you have a very keen eye, RJ. Um, <laughs> get into it, Wolf. Ask your questions. Uh, let's get right back into the football stuff. So, obviously, Des Bryant and Jason Witten are gone, so the Cowboys look a, a lot different from when we last char- chatted last year, RJ, but... This is obviously true of the passing game with 272 targets and 2,645 air yards available. But before we go into that and all the new faces, how that might be filled out, we got one remaining staple, the the engine of this offense, Ezekiel Elliott. I have him all the way up at number two on my big board, and I'm obviously expecting a monster season out of him. But how is he looking in camp? Is his role kind of expected to evolve at all in this rehauled attack? What are you seeing from Zeke this year? Well, I think, you know, let's get the elephant out of the room, you know, done right away. I mean, last year was weird for Zeke. You know, it was weird for Zeke and it was weird for the Cowboys. And, you know, try as you might, I don't think anybody, you know, that, that you know that's gone through anything like that uh, is able to completely suppress it. And so, yeah, I mean, last year was really weird for Zeke. So I think right off the bat, it feels a lot more like his rookie season. The, the hype, their excitement, there's not that um, just that, that sort of demerit floating around. And so... That's a big thing for me personally uh, in terms of my evaluation. But Zeke's looked great. Zeke has looked fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, it, it feels like fat Zeke is just like a thing that people look for. People try to, <laughs> you know, find angles uh, to where he looks large. And, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't help that narrative, I think. He, he tends to work out and practice in all sorts of hoodies and, and layers. And, and nobody looks good in layers. Um, and so, but, but ultimately, he looks great. And, 
Uh, he, he looks great, and, and he seems great, and his greatest weapon, I mean, if, if he's the engine, uh, the, you know, outside element of, of the car, so to speak, is the Cowboys' offensive line, and it was fortified with the drafting of Connor Williams. So there's nothing but reason and optimism for me when it comes to Zeke. And how about in the, the passing game? Like we mentioned, there's tons of targets available, and that's one of the reasons I moved him up to number two is I'm hoping for that type of the, the Todd Gurley jump that he made last year. Maybe Zeke. He's always been a great pass protector. Have you seen any more hints that he might be more involved in the passing game at all? Yeah, you know, just uh, watching them out of training camp, um, th- there, were, there were times, there were moments, and, and I don't know that the Cowboys want to – you know, really go far down that road. I, and I think we can all understand why, you know, you want to be protective of Zeke, but I don't think there's any um, doubt that Zeke can perform well in the passing game. And I certainly believe that Zeke will be more involved in the passing game than he's ever been. And that's not a big stretch of the imagination, of course, because he's so infrequently involved. But I mean, you know, when I think of Zeke in the passing game, I think of two plays, and it's really easy, but I think of the screenplay he took to the house in Pittsburgh, his rookie season. And I think of the same exact play that he did against the San Francisco 49ers last season. In fact, um, he did a like a diagnosing of that play for DallasCowboys.com, so it was really cool to kind of hear him set up why it worked and why it was successful. But Zeke has that potential, and the Cowboys have the offensive line to get out in space and block out for him well beyond the second layer. I definitely believe that he's going to be more involved. Is he going to be Todd Gurley or Marshall Falk, for that matter? I know that there's some report that Zeke's studying him. I don't know. I don't think so. But I definitely think that that volume is going to increase. Wow. I think we should make a pact right now on this podcast that we're not going to call him Fat Zeke ever again. We're going to call him Layered Zeke. That was a great take on that. Layered Zeke. He's wearing layers. Zeke, cut out the layers. uh, You're making yourself an easy target. Yeah, it's like, you know, around wintertime, I like to rock the, you know, the the long sleeve shirt under a sweater look so the collar pops up. But it it just, you know, makes everybody look hefty. It's It's a rough life. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We should, you know, onions have layers. Zeke's like an onion. Oh. Anyway, uh, let's get right back into the interview. Uh, indeed, Zeke, our obvious mainstay for the Dallas offense. The rest of the offense is a kind of a, a mystery. I'm baffled by it personally. That's why I'm so pumped that you're going to be on the show because you have so much uh, more information than we do. Has there been any particular wide receiver that has stood out? I mean, is it going to be the Alan Hearn show? That's hard for me to fathom, but maybe that's what it's going to be. What do you expect from this pass-catching core? Uh, are there going to be any viable options amongst them, or is this just a must-miss? I'll say personally that I wouldn't go down this road from a fantasy perspective, um, although I am in, in a couple of deeper leagues, so maybe there. Yeah. But the one guy that has stood out to me, I mean, to, to use those uh, that verbiage, has been Tavon Austin. And again, I mean, I, I wouldn't draft him in my league of record or anything, uh, but Tavon has been all over the place. He's been inside. He's been outside. He's finally gotten used out of the backfield. He's been a leader. He's been loud. He's been vocal. I mean, he's made big plays in every capacity. And so I certainly expect him to be involved in this offense and to help them win football games. But from a fantasy perspective, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm intrigued. You know, it's like, it's like the appetizer that you didn't want to order that your friends <laughs> wanted to eat. And so you're just kind of like, oh, I guess the food's here. I'll, I'll poke you're at it. You're picking uh, that's, at that's, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What about us? There's been some great analogies. We're early in this interview, and there's been some great analogies already. 
So yeah. keep it coming. Christmas sweaters, appetizers that you didn't want to eat. I, I love it all. Yeah, he's the nachos um, of of the fantasy league. <laughs> one guy I was intrigued by, and just because it literally just happened this week on the preseason game with Gallup, he, that thirty yard touchdown. He looked like he beat the defense well, and, and some good chemistry with Dak. Is he seeing a good amount of first team reps? Is that just because other guys were hurt and not playing? Is there any chance that rookie emerges there? Yeah, he yeah. has been seeing some first team work and. A lot of it, and to your point, has been Alan Hearns got a vet day here. Cole Beasley got a vet day there. And so mm-hmm. Michael Gallup's certainly gotten his opportunity uh, at training camp. And, yeah, I mean, he was explosive in the preseason. And people liken him to Stefan Diggs. They liken him to Michael Thomas. And when you hear those names, especially in the fantasy realm, you get excited. I think there's, you know, if, if I was drafting, I mean, yeah, he's worth a late-round flyer. But I don't know that I'd want him to be in my first sort of four wide receivers. I want to build a stable and then kind of take a lotto chance on, on a guy like Michael Gallup. But I think it's one that could definitely pay off. Right, yeah, that's exactly We talk about building your stables in those first eight rounds, all running backs, all receivers, then the penny stocks later. So that's where we're getting at with the, the Cowboys receivers. Maybe he could be a, a penny stock. What about a tight end then? Um, obviously a gap with Jason Witten there. We've been kind of building this affinity for, we call it the creature named Blake Jarwin. Is he the guy that could make a fantasy impact? Is there anybody worth noting there? Well, I'll say, first of all, that I wouldn't dabble in the Cowboys tight ends, personally. And I I don't even know the last year that I had Jason Witten on any fantasy team, which makes me sad. But I I will say that there is a huge infatuation for Blake Tarrant within the Cowboys. Um, You know, for for people that aren't aware, Kellen Moore, the quarterback they kept on their team forever, was somebody who, I mean, they were not going to let go. I mean, it took took some serious vice grips on the outside for them to finally let go of Kellen Moore, and he's now their quarterback's coach. But... Last year, in the middle of the season, the Philadelphia Eagles were going to poach Blake Jarwin off the Cowboys practice squad. So they got wind of that, and they finally said, okay, Kellen, we we finally found that point uh, where we're willing to sacrifice you. And they released (laughs) Kellen Moore, promoted Blake Jarwin. They got Kellen Moore back on the practice squad. And, um, you know, it's it's an interesting little domino, because if that doesn't happen, do the Eagles trade up to draft, ironically, Dallas Goddard? I mean, so... Um, I, I do know that the Cowboys love Blake Jarwin. I don't believe he's a, a viable fantasy project, though. Very interesting. So we don't got a ton of great receivers. We don't got a ton of great tight ends here. Is there any hope for Dax? Uh, this weapon cabinet just seems so barren this year. We have him pretty low at QB 24 as compared to QB 19, and his ADP is QB 17. So we're a bit lower than the industry. Are we wrong to be low on him? I mean, uh, a, how's he looking? There's a wide range on Dak, wouldn't you agree? I mean, we have him down at 24, but I've seen I've seen some people that actually are are strangely high on Dak, and I can't figure out why. So I'm actually we had Field Gates on to, last week. He had him at 10. Yeah, well, right. I was yeah, I didn't want to misquote, but yeah. So RJ, what do you think about him? Well, you mentioned Field Yates. I think it was in the draft day manifesto from Matthew Barry. I think that's where I read that Dak had six touchdowns. I- I'm going to butcher this, so don't quote me on it. No, I know what like, you're talking about. Yeah, it was like he had six touchdowns from like 15 yards out uh, or plus, something like that. Like it was a long, it was a certain range from outside that he had six rushing touchdowns, and uh, no running back surpassed that. Right. Only that's Dak, uh, you know, accomplished that. So. You know, if you're looking for a reason to believe in Dak Prescott from a fantasy perspective, I think that's it. I think Dak, uh, you know, doesn't get the, the credit for, you know, your average running quarterbacks in, in a fantasy lens. But I think that he's capable of that. I don't know that the Cowboys want him to do that. But if I had to, you know, if I ended up with Dak Prescott after, after my draft, that would be what I would be telling myself. I'd say, hey, you know, this guy runs a lot, uh, you know, and uh, but um, but I, I think that. There are definitely other guys I'd rather have. I mean, I, I mean, QB 10 feels a little optimistic from a fantasy perspective. I want to make sure 
I say that because people will uh, will freak out. But um, I mean, I, I I could probably think of 12, 13 guys I'd rather have on my fantasy team than Dak. Sure. Um, well, all right. Well, let's let's talk about actual football for a second. I know that's a novel concept, but given that this is the part of the divisional preview series, we got to get your predictions for the actual season. Uh, so we're gonna take a break from fantasy just for a second. What do you see the Cowboys doing uh, in 2018? Where do you see them finishing in the division? What do you think about their record? Uh, and just in general, how do you see the division shaking out? Because we're actually going to talk to a Giants guy in just a few minutes. Well, I'll say that I'll, I'll start negatively first. And I'll say that I, it's, it's potentially a situation where the worst thing that ever happened to the Cowboys was, was the suspension. And that sounds obvious. But I think that that has so many layers to, to go back to that because, you know, if you're the Cowboys, I think it's possible that they looked at last season and said, man, you know what, we, we would have been fine. You know, that, that Zeke thing, you know, we got the raw end of that deal. If, those, if that suspension had never come down, if he doesn't miss those six games, we would have been fine. We would have won at least three more games. We would have been in the playoffs, et cetera. And you can really kind of talk yourself into an alternate reality if you go down that hypothetical um, but, but, you know, being optimistic again, I think being somewhat realistic, Zeke is slated to be there for 16 games. Dak is a quarterback who played incredibly well for the first half of last season. And, you know, it, it all really broke. And, and I know this is obvious in Atlanta and it all broke because Zeke was suddenly gone. Sean Lee left the game extremely early. Tyron Smith was gone and they were going up against a team in the Atlanta Falcons that at the time were the reigning NFC champions. And so, it all just, I mean, hit the fan at, at one point, and it was probably too much to overcome emotionally. I think, you know, it was easy to kind of feel beat up. Oh, Zeke's gone, Sean's gone, Tyron's gone, et cetera. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that specific game kicked off a stretch. They lost in Atlanta. They lost at home to Philly the following week in what was the worst loss ever at AT&T Stadium. They lost on Thanksgiving to the Los Angeles Chargers. In those three games, the Cowboys failed to break double digits in all three of them. It's the only time in Dallas Cowboys history that they scored single digits in three consecutive games. And so, you know, this is a team that, that wow. won nine they, they won nine football games in spite of that last year. And so, you know, if you take away something that is literally the lowest of low that they ever reached as a franchise, and you add some some pieces that you like, you add a Leighton Vanderish in the first round. I think it's conceivable that they win 10, 11 games. The Eagles are obviously going to be good. Um, I think this is a team that wins 10 games. I think they're a wild card team. And, uh, you know, I think I think poetically maybe they go back to Atlanta in the wild card round to kind of exercise, uh, you know, that moment that broke them in 2017. What about the rest of the division? How do you see it then finalizing? Who's going to be at the top and then who's who's at the bottom? Well, I think the Giants are at the bottom, and um, you know wow, whoever, okay. whoever you know whoever you're talking to, you know you can tell them. I said that against my will. You know, I was really bummed about having to say that, but uh, <laughs> you know, the the Redskins are so interesting because Alex Smith, he's not a dude who who gets waxed. You know, Alex Smith isn't. You're not going to be doing your Christmas shopping, rooting for Alex Smith's team with your team completely out of the picture. Uh, so Alex Smith's going to keep the Redskins interesting, although obviously the Darius injury is a bit of a yeah. bummer. And the Eagles, I mean, hey, you know, they, they're the Super Bowl champions. I, I'm a big believer that you're the best team in the world until you're not. And so they're going to be very good. But the NFL is a, an ever-changing, ever-evolving organism. And so, you know, you know, to go back to Atlanta, they were the only team of the six that went to the playoffs in 2017 yeah. on the NFC side that, that went back, excuse me, in 2016. And so I think, you know, the Eagles are, uh, are public enemy number one. That's just the territory that comes with winning the Super Bowl. And so I think it's going to be a tough road. If I had to pick a division winner, I'd lean there out of logic. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys, uh, you know, give them some hay. But I am particularly excited 
for their Cowboys game in Philadelphia this year. In the Dak Zeke era, they've only gone to Philadelphia in their two regular season finales, and both of those had no meaning because the Cowboys and Eagles had already secured the number one overall seed. So we have never seen a Dak Zeke Cowboys game in Philadelphia that matters. Uh, and this year it's on Sunday Night Football, so I'm pretty pumped about that. All right, so Eagles, Cowboys, Washington, Giants, and uh, Eagles, Cowboys both going to the playoffs. You heard it here first, folks, from RJ Achella. RJ, you got a, uh, like a couple minutes so we can do our no-huddle rapid-fire questions to end things up? Of course. Okay, all right. Uh, first question, and some of these are going to you know really make you think. Uh, who should go number one overall in the fantasy draft? Oh man, I'd probably lean. I'd probably go Zeke. Actually, if if we're doing like redraft leagues, I'd probably go Le'Veon Bell, just because they're going to run the tires off him. All right, Wolf. Fair enough. Give us your most undervalued player at each position. So quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. From a fantasy perspective, um, you know, quarterbacks probably Matt Ryan. As weird as that is, like it feels like he's no longer the sexy guy. Um, and if I didn't go Matt Ryan, I might go Kirk Cousins, although he's kind of picked up a little bit of sex appeal. Um, obviously, changing teams. Mm-hmm. At, at, at running back, you know, I think a lot of people forget just what Christian McCaffrey is supposed to be for the Panthers. And this really kind of makes me feel that, uh, you know, the, the NFC South is such a fantasy rich division uh, at receiver. I mean, that is such an interesting one. I feel like I always get a value on some guy like and I feel like <laughs> Keenan Allen will be that guy this year. People are going to be so spooked. Uh, by his injury history, and those are some dice I'm willing to roll. So I think you're able to get him because people, I think, are going to lean uh, Devontae Adams and you know DeAndre Hopkins, and those are all great receivers and probably should be ranked ahead of him, but they're all going to take all those guys ahead of Keenan Allen, uh, and I'll probably go with him. At tight end, man, that is such a crapshoot. I'll I'll, uh, I'll drink the, the you know the Gatorade as of, of like the Kool Aid, so to speak. Uh, I'll go David Njoku because I feel like he's going to be a big playmaker for the Browns. Um, and, and a kicker, you know, because I feel like throwing one in, I'll go Dan Bailey because uh, Dan Bailey's the man. Dude, you just get so much extra credit for the fact that you tacked a ticker, a kicker on there. Like you didn't have to. That was just extra, and we appreciate it. Uh, hey, you know they score points. <laughs> I, uh, it's true. I had, I had Blair Walsh in 2012 uh, when he scored 25 fantasy points to help me win a championship that year. So I will never forget. That. I lost a gut wrenching game last year because of someone's kicker. I'm still mad about it. Um, mm. Most overvalued player at each position. Do the same thing you just did, but let's get a little negative. Um, you know, overvalued. I think at quarterback it might be Aaron Rodgers, just because he has this this name recognition and people you. associate him. And um, and you know, I don't think the drop off is that great from Aaron Rodgers, even to Alex Smith, for example, from a fantasy perspective. Hmm. Uh, so I'll go Aaron Rodgers there at running back. I I would say this year it's going to be Todd Gurley because I don't know how Todd Gurley just does it again. Um, but I also to go back to an underrated sort of thing, I always think of Devonta Freeman when I think of Todd Gurley. I don't know why I've always kind of compared the two. I would rather I would rather take Devonta Freeman, you know, in the second round if he lasts that long than have to spend my first round pick on Todd Gurley. I just I feel that way this year. It's it's a weird uh, weird little you know feeling. At receiver, it's probably uh, you know I, I actually don't think Antonio Brown's overrated. I know you know it's a small little opinion, but he's just that good. It might be Julio, honestly. As as weird as that sounds, this be. is a hard this is a hard game. And at tight end, it's probably Travis Kelsey. Uh, Travis Kelsey's a little overrated. And so what early round draft picks, a round through one to three, is going to ruin a fantasy season this year? Oh, man, that is, um, you know, I mean, it's obviously going to be something that's, uh, I don't want to go injury related. That feels way too negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Right. I think, um, 
you know, somebody's going to buy in off of last year. And I think it's probably Alvin Kamara. And I love Alvin Kamara. And he's so great. He's so interesting. And, and, you know, it's easy to talk yourself into, oh, Mark Ingram suspended for the first part of the season, et cetera. But, you know, I just feel like if, if he falls back down to earth, so to speak, we haven't even really seen what earth is for him. Uh, you're you're going to have to spend a premium pick to get him. And so I think that Alvin Kamara could be the, the pick that sort of wrecks your season early on. I remember one year I, I took Steven Ridley in the second round when he was with the Pats, and I was so stoked, and it just broke me for the whole year. All right, we call them penny stocks. Most folks call them late-round lottery tickets, flyers, whatever. Give us one or two guys uh, that you want to try to get late, late in the draft. <laughs> Well, you know, he's doing nothing except hurting his stock uh, these days. But Antonio Callaway is a really popular one, obviously, for the Browns. Uh, I think he uh, he has a lot of potential, certainly. I think Michael Gallup's a great name if you're trying to, you know, get some sort of scratch-off going your way. Um, and, you know, people kind of forget that Mohamed Sanu exists. You know, Mohamed Sanu exists, and, and he's in an offense that's really great. And, and they added Calvin Ridley, so they forget and even more, Mohamed Sanu is a guy that's just, even when he was with the Bengals, he's a guy who's he's going to have that one week where he scores like 27 points and you, you tell yourself that he's this legitimate receiver. He's not, but he's, he's worth having. He's worth, <laughs> he makes your team look good. <laughs> Interesting. So the, the single most important fantasy move that an owner can make in 2017. That's or 2018. Or 2018, yeah, sorry. <laughs> is? Um, I think the single most important move, I think people get wrapped up in, in the technicalities of things. They look and they say, oh, man, I got to make sure all of my bye weeks, you know, don't coincide. So in, in that vein, uh, you know, because that's how my league of record is. Uh, my, my cousin's always like that. And I, I value that he's like that because it makes him a worse player, uh, which I benefit from. But I think as, as simple as it sounds, the best thing you can do is look at it as a week to week game. I mean, you got to win this week and then you got to win next week. But you can't you can't worry about it. You know, you can't say, oh, man, I need to make this trade this week because I'm preparing for next week. There's certainly value and there's logic to looking and planning ahead. But it doesn't matter. And it's a moot point if you don't win the week at hand, which is uh, something that people overlook sometimes. All right. This is where I I really this is an important one. I had to fight to get this one into the rundown. But I really want to know the answer. If your life depended on it and you had to give maximum effort on this, how many hot dogs and buns could you eat in 10 minutes? And ten, oh man, Fourth this, of July, this is Coney, great, Coney Island style. Like, if you had to do it, this is a great question. Thank you, um, I appreciate. So, it. so I'm glad that you you squeezed it in. You know, I feel like I would average two a minute. You know, that feels conservative. I feel like I sort wow. of two a minute with, with a plus minus, you know, five across ten minutes. Uh, so I feel like I could probably, you know, sort of with my life depending on, it, say, I, I knock down twenty two. I feel like that's possible. That wow. that is not bad. You wouldn't be far probably off the podium, uh, you know, at least the big stage at Coney Island if you can do that. So if this whole uh, Cowboys beat reporter thing doesn't work out, possibly the competitive eating circuit. I said seven just for the record. <laughs> oh, you see, you could that seven is easy. You would knock that out with so much time left. I mean, I'm, with I'm my life tough. on the line, possibly I would be really motivated and I could do more. But twenty-two, <laughs> that's impressive, and I appreciate you taking the question seriously because I really did want to know. <laughs> <laughs> He's been trying it's, to get that one on for years. And it's it a good out. thing. It's a good <laughs> thing. And honestly, I don't really like hot dogs. Um, you know, I, I was actually at Cowboys camp. Uh, we went to a Dodgers game, and I had a Dodger dog. You know, forget who's overrated. Hot dogs are overrated. They're not good. They were never good. I would eat them if my life were on the line, but um, it, it's not. It's like it's a terrible food. I don't like hot dogs. Yeah, it wouldn't be my first choice to competitively eat either. And so to wrap this up, give us your boldest prediction for the 2018 season and then just kind of a reminder of where our, our listeners can find you. 
Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people's bold predictions, not necessarily on this show, people are going to be like, oh, the Browns are going to make the playoffs, et cetera, blah, blah. I think as a bold prediction, I think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to go further, define that however you will, than the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have all this noise. They have all this talk. They have all this jibber-jabber, et cetera. The, the Chargers, I mean, are charging it up. I mean, Hunter Henry, I mean, everybody's hurt. But somehow, some way, the Chargers just kind of, they do it. There's that one year, and it just, it would be so Charger to be the, you know, the Jan of L.A., which they are, and to be the most successful team in that market and have nobody care. So I, I'll say that they go farther than the Rams and that at their peak and most important game of the season, whether it's week 17 or a playoff game, whatever, that they still don't even sell out that 30,000-seat venue uh, just because <laughs> at, at the end of the day, they're still the Chargers. And, uh, and if you want to find me, you can on Twitter at RG Ochoa. You can catch all my work at bloggingtheboys.com and, uh, and hanging out with my pals right here on the show. RJ, it has been a genuine pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show again. I can't wait to do it again. Anytime, my dudes. Uh, tell that Giants guy, I hope they don't win a single game. <laughs> Done. We'll send in the word. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, RJ. Much appreciated. Y'all have a good one, guys. Later. Fantastic interview with RJ Achoa. You can find him on Twitter at RJ Achoa, O-C-H-O-A. Again, fantastic Cowboys writer. Make sure you tune into his podcast at well, the Ocho Live Show. Some great stuff again tonight. Zeke potentially being more involved as a receiver. Some great penny stock news and Michael Gallup and even Tavon Austin. And health Dak's rushing ability. Make sure you consider that before you throw him too low on your rankings. All interesting stuff coming out of RJ tonight. And if you liked what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the Fantasy Fullback Dive. Give us that review on iTunes. Let us know how we can be better or what we're doing well so we just keep doing it for you. You can check out our homepage at rotostreetjournal.com or ffbdpod.com for strictly the podcast homepage if you want to hear more episodes online. And then you can find me at rotostreetwolf on Twitter and on Snapchat. Would love to connect. Send in all your fantasy questions as we get ready for draft season, baby. Wolf's out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.